My Car Guru, episode 184. Hello and welcome to this edition of My Car Guru. You know, occasionally I have to remember that this is a not only a local radio show, you know, on talk radio, it's also a podcast on Amazon and Google and, and Apple podcasts. And there's some people that like may accidentally land on this thing and say, who the heck is this dude? But I am the car guru. I'm not self-appointed. I was uh, called that by a customer of mine in the showroom of my new car dealership. Yes, I am a new car dealer with a twist. I do tell it like it is. And not just on this radio show, but every day. I mean, if you know me, if you come by, if you actually come by Gateway Ford or Gateway Nissan and walk up to the receptionist and say, can I speak to Lenny? Then uh, if I'm here, I'm going to come out and talk to you. Uh, That's unusual in this day and time. Uh, A lot of dealerships, I'd say probably the majority of new car dealerships are um, multi-point, which means that they own like 10, 15, 50 stores. Uh, So if you want to speak to the guy that owns it, sorry, he's in uh, Boca Raton. Or is it Boca Raton? He's not here. You know, he might be at uh, skiing at Snowshoe, if you know know where that is. That's up in West Virginia, isn't it? Snowshoe? I'm from West Virginia. Yes, I was born and raised in Tennessee, really. Well, no, I was born, born, sorry, in West Virginia, raised primarily in Tennessee. Moved here when we were, when I was 14. And my dad was a Chevrolet dealer, and then, you know, that just kind of goes on from there. We've been in the car business as a family since 1926, 27, and I think it was 27. That's when my grandfather started. And then uh, my dad carried on the tradition, and so did I. So I have a purpose, a meaning for all of this uh, effort, and that is to educate, to enlighten, to motivate people who are, you know, dealing with their car life. And as I say, that's what I call it. It's your car life. It is a big part of your life. You know that. You may not want to admit it. A lot of people look at their car as just, you know, basic transportation. It's required for me to exist. Other people look at their car with a great deal of passion. They like when they go out in the garage and they they, uh, look at their car and raise the garage door and they look at it and say, that's mine. I love it. You know, you may not have, you know, a, that kind of relationship with your car. I don't with, you know, a lot of everyday cars. I, you know, I don't go out and give my F-150 a big kiss on the hood when I come out. But I do do that with my uh, 66 Mustang. Yeah, it gets the best of me. But uh, a lot of people just don't really care that much about cars. But it does have a play a big role, anyway, in their lives. And, and you know, when things are working and you know we're able to go where we want to go when we want to go everything's good it's great and we we are happy you know we're at peace when it's not working or when it's time to go out and buy a new one it can be very i don't know anxiety producing and so uh, let's figure out ways to avoid that to make it a little bit easier Uh, i'll tell you how to talk to salespeople. I'll tell you how to talk to a service advisor, to a technician, to a dealer when you have a problem. You know, hopefully I'll help you identify certain things you can do to make your life easier. One of the things I really want to do today 
is to protect our teenagers, um, to kind of keep you from making, uh, I don't know, an emotional decision as far as the type of car that you're going to turn over to your teenager, teenage driver. Um, you know, we, we want to make them happy, right? We want them to have a good life and all that kind of stuff, but we can make some really crazy decisions with what we give our teenagers to drive. I mean, why in the world would you give a new driver a high-performance sports car? I know they've wanted it. They've looked forward to it and everything. Why, another one, why would you give a new driver a Jeep to drive, especially with a soft top? Yeah, I know. They've always wanted one. They love Jeeps. Uh, they love sports cars. They love four-wheel drive trucks that they can jack up, you know, put eight-inch lift kits on them and stuff like that. But is that really smart for a new driver? I'll tell you why it's not smart here in just a minute. Uh, before I get to that, I do want to cover one thing. You know, you may be on the market for a new car right now or a used car. You're getting ready to trade. Um, you know, what you own, what you currently own, can amount to a considerable amount of down payment on your next car, you know, and you may have equity there. You know, if you owe money on your car, you have a payoff on it. Hopefully it's worth more than what your payoff is so that you have something to, to put down on the, on the next car. Or even if you're at a break-even point, um, you can enhance the appraisal that that, that dealer is going to give you on that vehicle just by doing a couple simple things. And uh, too many people, I mean, I, I do this every day, folks. I'm a car dealer, like I said, in Greenville, Tennessee. And, and we see people driving in cars, and it's just like, why would you bring that in here looking like that? Okay, so basically when you're trading a car into a new car dealer or a used car dealer, you're trying to get them to buy that car, right? Um, you know, you're wanting to buy one, but you're wanting them to invest money in your car. Now, do you think they want to invest money in a dirty, nasty car with tires that are worn out and headlights that don't work and a nasty interior and, and busted windshield? No. You wouldn't want to buy anything like that. Well, they really don't either. Now, they look at those cars, and they evaluate on what it's going to cost to make it ready to sell, if it is sellable. You know, if it's not sellable, they're just going to put the lowest dollar they can in it and wholesale it at the auction. But if it is sellable, they're going to look at all those things that you didn't fix and charge you more than what you could have gotten it done for to fix it and to make it ready to sell. You know, the dealer um, is probably going to put up, put on, you know, if it's got uh, tires are worn out, they're going to probably spend some good money on some new tires and, and make them decent tires like Goodyear's or Michelin or something like that. They're not going to put Maypops on there, you know. Whereas uh, if you were to do that, you could go to Walmart and get the cheapest tires they have. As long as it has tread, the dealer's going to look at that and say, well, doesn't need tires. And, you know, where he is looking at it, when he appraises the vehicle and says, well, I'm going to have to spend $1,000 on tires. Well, you can put tires on for 400 That's the way it works, folks. So get your car ready to sell to the dealer when you're trading it. You know, detail it inside and out. Uh, get your insurance company to replace the windshield. I mean, you've got coverage for that. If you've got a star in your windshield, then all that is is an inconvenience to the dealer when he said, he said, oh, gosh, we've got to call the windshield guy. 
and that's probably going to be $500, when you can get it replaced for nothing or for $100 deductible. Uh, you don't have the headlights get all milky looking and, and faded where you can't hardly see out or the headlights can't shine through it. They are even yellowish looking, and they look like they have scratches. Those can be polished out. You know, you can buy a kit at, at Advance Auto Parts or O'Reilly's or someplace like that, Napa, and you can polish that out and make those look good, and, and it really enhances the front end of the car. Uh, replace those worn tires with budget tires. Uh, get the check engine light diagnosed. You know, you've been driving around for months with that uh, check engine light or service engine soon light. You know, when the dealer sees that, he thinks the worst, just like any customer would. He said, you know, well, this could be anything from a catalytic converter to an EGR valve to, you know, a spark plug that's, that you know, maybe it's engine's misfiring or something. He doesn't know. So he's going to allow maybe $500 to $1,000 for that. Whereas you can take it, get it diagnosed, get it fixed. It might be something real easy. You might have a defective, a cracked gas cap. And, you know, you could lose $1,000 because you didn't replace a $15 gas cap. Get that stuff taken care of before you go trade. Also, finally, do some uh, research on the value. Um, don't go into the dealership blind. Go, you know, get on kellybluebook.com and put your your uh, specifications in, your VIN number, stuff like that. You know, go ahead and pull a Carfax or an auto check and see if there's any bad history on your car. Uh, maybe it was wrecked before you bought it. Uh, maybe you just had a little fender bender. And see, if you don't say anything about that up front to the dealer, and I had a little accident, I hit a deer, you know, maybe two years ago. Well, see, that makes them feel better about it when they pull up that Carfax, uh, Carfax and it says that the vehicle was involved in an accident. You know, they're thinking the whole front end got knocked off of it, and that brings up all kinds of suspicions, just like it would to you if you were thinking about buying a vehicle and you saw that it had an accident on Carfax. So go ahead and do the work before you go in. Folks, it could make a huge difference in what you get for your car. Just by detailing the car and doing some of these other little things, that, you know, you might spend $1,500 on your car, Whereas the dealer would have deducted five, six, seven thousand dollars for the things that he thinks uh, that your car needs. When in fact, it doesn't really need to, uh, that much doesn't need to be spent on that car. You understand what I'm saying? I hope you do. Okay, I'm gonna take my first break, be back here in just a minute. Okay, I am back. You know, I've had teenagers, um, I raised three children of my own. I was a basketball coach for many, many years, 13 years in the youth league. Uh, I was a youth counselor at my church for 11 years. I do know teenagers. And I know they have high expectations when they get their driver's license. You know, they're looking forward to the freedom, kind of get out from under your thumb. Um, and I remember watching all of mine drive out that driveway for the first time and the lump I had in my throat and the fear that I had to suppress. And uh, my wife was going through the same thing. You know, it is a sense of freedom, but we have the right. We're still in control, right, of our teenagers, supposed to be. Uh, we have the right to do certain things. We can restrict the use of that car. Um, we can control what the car is. Uh, as far as safety, model year, um, you know, design and stuff like that. You know, a lot of the young guys, they want uh, uh, trucks, right? They want diesel trucks. They want gasoline trucks. Not a, lot of, not a lot of them want cars anymore. 
maybe a Tahoe or an Expedition or, you know, a Jeep or something like that. That's what they want. But that is not what they're going to get. Um, you know, I think that, that teenagers should be just a little bit ashamed, a little bit embarrassed of their first car. You know, I don't want to give them anything to drive that they're going to brag about. My dad was a Chevrolet dealer. Uh, this was, let's see, I got my driver's license, I think, in 73. And uh, he gave me a 66 Plymouth Fury to drive. And I said, Dad, really? I mean, I don't get a Camaro or a Chevelle? He said, no, that'll be fine. That'll get you to basketball practice and so forth. That'll be fine. At least you can move around. And it was. It was fine. Plus, it had a 383 V8, and I could smoke the tires on it. He didn't know about that part, though. So, you know, I was a little bit ashamed. People would say, why are you driving to Plymouth? And uh, I didn't have any answers for that. But I said, well, you know, my dad just, at least it's transportation. Um, you know, but should they be a little bit ashamed of it? They don't need to be driving convertibles. They don't need to be driving Jeeps. Nothing against Jeeps. Just Wait. Uh, fast, powerful cars, bad idea for teenagers because they're just not good drivers, folks. We know that. Um, you know, when you look at the all the different distractions that they have right now, just with the cell phone alone, I mean, it is that alone is worthy of two or three shows. But the fact is that teen drivers cause more accidents than almost any other age group per driven mile. According to carinsurance.net, most fatal car accidents with a teen at the wheel happen within six months of obtaining the license. That happened to my daughter. She was coming uh, on a little road that runs behind our house, and uh, she was going around a curve too fast, and her right front wheel went off the road, and she overcorrected, spun out, and took out a fence row and a couple trees. And a little Volkswagen Jetta. And that's what happens. Um, she wasn't hurt, busted her lip, but that's about it. All the airbags went off. I went back to look at that car. They towed it to the dealership, and I went back and looked at it. As soon as I saw that little drop of blood on the airbag, I lost it. But, you know, so, but it was a safe car. You know, it was a, I don't remember what year it was. I guess probably, let's see, maybe an 07 uh, VW Jetta. Maybe older than that. I don't remember. Um, but according to the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety, 16 to 17-year-olds are about three times more, li more likely per mile to be in a fatal crash than 20-year-olds. So they advance a lot between the age of 16, 17 to 20. Uh, the only driver category that's less safe are drivers over 80. So that gives you an idea. You know, there are some risk factors that are particularly particularly that's hard for me to say. Dangerous for teen drivers. Um, obviously, speed, uh, excessive speed is at the root of more than 25% of fatal crashes among teenagers. Another great cause is having other teenagers in the car. Uh, the presence of passengers drastically increases crash risk among teen drivers. It actually increases the risk of death by 44% when carrying one passenger younger than 21. It doubles again when carrying two passengers under the age of 21. Night driving is, um, is much more dangerous for teens. Uh, distracted driving results in a lot of deaths. Uh, not, not just texting, though, just adjusting the radio. 
they're just distracted anyway. If you've been around teenagers, I mean, surely you have, then you understand what I'm saying. It, it's hard to get them to focus. You know, I thought I told you to take the garbage out. I forgot. Uh, you know, the attention span just sitting there. Uh, alcohol, of course, no matter in, no matter what the age, drinking and driving don't mix. Um, but I did it, you know. I mean, I'll admit it. I did it. I did it when I was uh, 16. It was different. I mean, we had a dry county, but we knew where to get it. And, uh, you know, not proud of it. Wouldn't, wouldn't want to, uh, you know, I'm not bragging about it. It was foolish. But teenagers are foolish. Um, Seatbelts. Teens are less likely to buckle up than any other age group. I had the hardest time getting my son to wear a seatbelt. I'd be talking to him on the cell phone, and I'd hear in the background, I'd hear ding, ding, ding. Blaine, do you have your seatbelt on? Uh, no. Uh, how about putting it on? And then I'd hear the ding go out. Um, you know, today's new cars have a lot of cool safety features, um, things that, you know, I'm going to recommend to you that I know that price is, a, is an issue when it comes to used vehicles. But buy your kid the safest car you can buy. You know, things with forward collision warning. Uh, what better thing to have than to keep your distracted kid from running into the rear end of somebody else? Lane departure warning. Blind spot monitoring. Uh, cross traffic alerts. You know, that's one of the most important ones. You know, so you're approaching a, a, a traffic light, and the light is green Yet your car sees this car that's not slowing down enough coming from the right or coming from the left. It'll warn you all kinds of lights go off, and it'll precharge the braking system so that it will stop faster when they do finally see that car coming. I mean, my next-door neighbor got T-boned at an intersection in their Honda CRV the other day. Well, the other week. And um, he's my dentist. And I said, well, that, that'll teach you for buying a Honda CRV. And he, we, he didn't laugh much. Well, we laughed about that. He ended up getting a Ford Bronco from me. But still, I mean, that kind of stuff can happen to an experienced driver. And, and if you're a very distracted, uh, distracted young teenager, it's good to have all of these latest safety advances. So what if you can't afford the latest safety advances? Now, I'm talking about buying, try to buy a car at, at least a 2018 or newer. Um, as far as the airbags and stuff like that, Make sure that the car that you're buying, if it's a used car, that it has airbags. If it's had a previous collision with airbag deployment, very possible, very possible that the body shop that repaired that vehicle did not replace the airbags. I know. It's illegal. And it's unethical as all get out. But still, it happens. I want to make sure that my kid is wrapped with metal, not in something that he necessarily likes. So he wants a two-door Mustang convertible and that's his dream car he's going to get a four-door honda accord and he's going to like it because he's going to get from point a to point b and that's really all that matters right um you know if he wants to save up money and buy him a uh, something else later on that gives him a good incentive to do that but you know i think we all make a big mistake when we give the new driver the brand new vehicle and sometimes it becomes like a status symbol or something like that. But that's the wrong way to look at it, folks. I, that's just my personal opinion. Okay, I'm going to take my last break, and I'll be back here in just a second. You know, a lot of these safety features are uh, federally mandated. 
and they've done a lot of crash testing and stuff. I'm also going to try to buy my teenager a, a vehicle that has five-star ratings across the board by the Insurance Institute. Uh, I just think that's a smart thing. And you can find out those ratings <clears throat> at their website. But uh, thank goodness there are a lot of cool packages that you can get on modern cars. I know Honda has a system called Honda Sensing that includes um, uh, a lot of the fa- safety features that I've been mentioning. Ford has a great system called Ford Copilot 360. And so it has forward collision warning, automatic emergency braking, blind spot monitoring, lane departure warning, all of those, that suite of features that I think are essential. Uh, Nissan has the same thing. Uh, Nissan actually came out with it first as a package and started putting it on all of their vehicles. So if you can find a a nice Altima or a Sentra, uh, maybe even one of the Rogue crossovers or something like that, those are all good good cars for teenagers. But make sure that they have the uh, that they're a later model so that they have the Nissan Safety Shield. If you can't buy your kid a late model car, maybe I didn't mention this. I started to wrap as much metal around them as you can. You know, get them something with ABS brakes and at least um, airbags in the vehicle. I mean, they've been around for some time, about 10 years, where they actually wrap around. you got the head curtain airbags and all that. Get all of that stuff. Uh, And then the other thing uh, that you need to be thinking about is how you're going to monitor them. Now, you can get those air air tags from, uh, if you're an Apple user, you can get the Apple air tags and put it in the car, hide it in the car, and you know where they are. Uh, you are also paying for the cell phone more than likely, so I would uh, I would put a tracking thing on their cell phone. You can also buy these devices that you can plug into the OBD port on the uh, on the car underneath the dash, and it will monitor the usage of that vehicle. You can monitor um, and control basically the speed that they go. I know Ford has a something called a smart key, so you you program that key to. Uh, make sure that that car doesn't go over 60 miles an hour. Um, anytime any, any type of uh, rule breaking goes on, uh, there are plenty of apps out there that can uh, help you discover that. I just think that th- these are wise things to do. Are your kids going to push back? Of course. I'm a teenager now. I'm 16. I'm 17. I don't care how old you are. I'm paying for the car, right? Um, I pay for your phone. And, um, you know, I'm the one that's in control. Your safety is more important to me than, than how you look when you drive up to the front of the school. And I just think that's uh, sound advice for any parent. Well, thank you for listening to this edition of My Car Guru. I hope I didn't in- offend anybody. I'm sure I did if there's any teenagers listening, but I don't care. Feel free to call me if you have any questions, 423-552-2020, or send me an email to Lenny, L-E-N-N-I-E, Lawson, L-A-W-S-O-N. 2020 at gmail.com, and I'll see you next time.